Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Driving the Basket, part of the Basketball Podcast Network. I am Mike, joined as usual by Dante and Tommy. Fellas, how you doing? What's new? We got a Kanye drop over the weekend, so I'm I'm happy. I'm in a good mood. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm I'm in a good mood as well. But it's because Tommy and I were able to debate music prior to recording, so that fired me up and prepared me for the episode to come. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm always prepared to tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, I think I know like five Kanye songs, and at least three of them are from video games. Oh, there you uh, go. Like there's flashing lights from Grand Theft Auto Four and uh and, and some other one from NBA two K thirteen. Anyway. All of the lights. Yeah. No, they all it's involve fl- lights. No, it's why. it's flashing lights. Oh, there um, you go. That, that was in GTA four. Anyway, uh I digress. So uh <laughs> we're gonna be talking today about the team's ball handlers, uh just doing a preview review similar to our last episode. But before we get started, let's first hear a word from our sponsors. With football right around the corner, it's time to get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. And with the NFL returning, DraftKings is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when you bet $1 or more on any football game. So listen up, you're not going to want to miss the details. Simply head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now, place a bet of $1 or more on any week one game to receive $200 in free bets instantly. If Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, don't worry, it's not a big deal because DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. As for week one, DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at a million dollar top prize, which adds to the excitement of the game. Nothing quite adds to it like a free shot at a million dollar top prize. So with that being said, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. Get a free shot at a million-dollar top prize with your first deposit. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, one eight hundred nine with it. All right. So, like I mentioned, just like the format of the last episode, uh, this one is going to review player performance from last season, what we liked, what we didn't like, and then uh, preview the players for the coming season. So, you know, what we'd like to see out of them, necessary areas of improvements, projected role, and so on and so forth. So uh, today it's going to be the ball handlers, Killian Hayes, Corey Joseph, and Saban Lee. Uh, and uh, we've really talked a great deal about Cade Cunningham already. <laughs> I know it's going to be another, it's going to be one of the ball handlers, but uh, I, I would think that uh, we might possibly just dedicate an entire episode to him closer to the season. So that that's why he's not going to show up here, despite the fact that he you know, could very well be and hopefully uh, will be the primary ball handler for the team. So uh, let's kick it off with uh, probably the one of the greatest interests. Uh, that would be Killian Hayes. So, uh, Tommy, how did you feel about his performance last season? Last season, I came into the season just his rookie year, very skeptical of a lot of parts of his game. And um, I definitely think he was done a disservice. I've made this argument many times that he was done a disservice starting uh, on opening night. That's just a lot to ask of a rookie. I really do think that, Killian, part of the reason Killian was picked up by the Pistons was uh, because Casey liked him. I know that he is part of the the scouting process, and I'm sure that the fact that he was the one guy who got to start the season, uh, it, it just indicated to me that he really liked him. Maybe he believed because he was a he played professionally overseas or or something like that that he thought he'd be ready, but clearly he wasn't. And to nobody's surprise, like it just seemed to get worse, and his confidence really took a hit. So. I think that was probably the biggest thing with Killian last season. He definitely just seemed to struggle to get to where he wanted and to get his shots off uh, with consistency. And I think a lot of that just has to do with confidence. So going into the season, um, that'll probably be one of the things that I'm looking for. Yeah, I, I would echo a lot of that. I think um, I've been more up and down on Killian as opposed to just you know starting neutral and then going lower and lower and lower, uh, in my opinion of him. I think that I was just like everybody else, super fired up to draft him. You know, I I thought he was an exciting, tantalizing prospect. And uh, then the season starts and he does not look good at all. 
<laughs> that may even be, you know, an under exaggeration of how poor his performance was. I believe he, you know, graded out by lots of advanced metrics as like literally the worst rookie, one of the worst players in the entire NBA. Um, and so you obviously don't want to hit the panic button too, too early, but then he goes out with the injury. Everybody expects him to be better upon coming back. And to his credit, I thought that he was better. Um, I believe that the final, what did he play? 15, 20 games or so of the season were much, much better um, than the first six or seven before he got hurt. And the frustrating part about Killian, at least for me, is that it, it just seems like he's always so close to putting it all together. You know, you could see the flashes of these advanced dribble combinations. You can see the very stout defense. You can see um, the incredibly high level vision, in my opinion. And, and you know, he's very close to that advanced playmaking. But it's like we've said time and time and time again, if you can't score, you know, if you're not a threat to put the ball in the basket, then that really limits um, what you're able to do on the offensive end, not only as a, as a primary ball handler and as an offensive initiator, but just as an effective player as a whole. Um, you can't really be effective if you can't score. It takes a very specific subset of player to be effective in the absence of some of those core skills. And Killian to this point has, um, you know, not shown that he can be valuable. He's valuable in certain aspects, but not to the point where I would say that he's a, a useful NBA player right now. So his performance in the summer league definitely didn't help, uh, my opinion. I expected him to be a lot better than he was. So, uh, yeah, you know, what, what do you think, Mike? Uh, I have to echo what you said, which is that he was one of the worst players in the league. That's fine. I think it's perfectly fine to acknowledge that he really struggled last season uh, while also not applying that uh, that performance to his future. A lot of rookies are very bad. Uh, a lot of rookie point guards in particular are very bad. Killian just happened to be very, very bad, particularly early in the season. Now, I've said this many times before. I think he was horribly misused early on. <laughs> it was really frustrating that that Dwayne Casey and Casey did I'd say to his credit a better job of developments in the you know in the latter stages of the season early on I was not impressed so Killian's role in the offense early on was to bring the ball up and give it to Blake Griffin to get out of the way and he was basically ignored <laughs> and there were just these plays in which he would give the ball to Griffin at the three-point line and Griffin would post up back his way from just inside the three-point line uh, to near the basket and take a bad post shot through double coverage while Killian had been wide open at the three-point line for like five seconds. So, I mean, it was, it was just very, very, in my opinion, very poorly used. I also agree he just wasn't ready. The guy was, there was, there was really nothing he did well early on. And even later in the season, there wasn't much he did well. Like you said, Dante, he can't score. He was horrendously inefficient last season. Uh, to like his effective field goal percentage, for example, and this, is, this is his overall efficiency from the field, 39.5% which is, oh boy. yeah, which is like, you know, if I remember correctly, league average was about 54% and was somewhere between 53 and 54, I think somewhere around 54, whatever it is. And of course that includes, yeah, that will be skewed by big men, for example, who take super high efficiency shots, but whatever the case or three point specialists take also very high efficiency shots, not quite as high, but still very high. Uh, but it was like, you know, 14% below league average, which is horrendous. He shot well from nowhere. Uh, he also, during the season and in summer league, uh, shot away from contact, wouldn't drive into, uh, wouldn't really drive hard to the rim. Didn't help that he could only go left. He was awful with his right hand. He couldn't do anything with it. Uh, and that meant he basically would just rely on this floater. He did the same thing in summer league. Uh, floater is not an efficient shot is nowhere near as efficient as shots in the restricted area. And if you want to be able to break down defenses, you have to be a threat to penetrate. So he was bad all around. He had a couple of good games, but for the most part, he was not good. He was turnover prone off the pass, uh, off passing as well. And he just, it was kind of a little bit elusive that it, it looked like he was doing well running the offense. In, in reality, he was just, he was very ball dominant and was handling the ball in heavy possession. He was the guy doing almost all the passing when he was on the floor in the later stages of the season. It wasn't because he was good. It was just because he was the guy. So what he has to work on, pretty much everything. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I was curious to see how this was going to look in summer league because I figured, okay, uh, if confidence is his issue, maybe he'll have a better time against these uh, lower level athletes compared to, you know, the NBA and I was really, really hoping that he was going to look more comfortable, look more aggressive, and it just didn't happen. And I'm, frankly, I'm not sure why. 
Uh, it could be that he's just, it's just a mental thing and just continues to persist. Maybe he's like, I don't want to say damaged, but it's just something that he has to take the time to rebuild. And maybe that'll come from reps. Uh, maybe the pressure got to him. I'm sure he's like aware of the fact that everybody's kind of looking to see what he's going to be. And undoubtedly, he knows that he had a very poor showing to start. But I'll say this, the defense, especially, like I noticed it mostly on Jalen Green, but the defense was fantastic. That was probably like the one thing I'd say he did very, very well. Not many guys can stay in front of Jalen Green, and I don't think at the NBA they're going to be able to stay in front of him very well, but Killian Hayes legitimately was able to stay in front of him and did a very good job defending him. But like you you and Dante said, Mike, uh, you can't just be a defensive specialist in the NBA. That's not good value, and it's not a long-term solution. You need scoring, and you need dynamic scoring. Yeah, I, I think Summer League is, is – it's a good thing you brought that up because – in my view, Summer League, this past one, was so critical when evaluating Killian and his future because if we were having this conversation right as the season ended, my tone would have been a lot more positive regarding Killian because it's like I said, I felt that his final 15, 20 games there after returning from the injury were much, much better than his first six or seven. Um, I thought that he showed a lot more. I thought he was more confident. I thought he was playing with more agency. And all of these issues that plagued his game at the beginning, they were still there. Um, but it looked to me like he was starting to iron them out a bit. And you could sort of see the upward trajectory that he may have potentially found himself on. And I went into um, my viewing experience of the summer league, sort of thinking that, okay, he's facing a much lower level of competition, maybe not athletically, but at the very least, just in terms of pure NBA skill, he's not going up against five NBA players uh, opposite him on the court every single night. And to, to, to further enhance that, he has a lot of players who he's going to be playing with in the NBA surrounding him. So I expected a very strong performance. I expected him to look better than the other players that he was on the court with. And he just, you know, to put it frankly, he didn't. He didn't stand out at all. If he wasn't a, a former seventh overall pick, uh, you would have never known that this guy was was someone that an entire franchise was was banking their future on as early as like a year and a half ago. So the fact that he didn't stand out at all, the fact that he didn't shoot the three-point shot with any measure of confidence or consistency, and it just looks so bad. His footwork, uh, how he lands, the kind of awkward, janky little side back step that he does, he just didn't, didn't really look good in any aspect or any uh, facet of the game aside from his defense. And it's like you guys have said, you can't be a defensive specialist in this league. You know, unless your name is Rudy Gobert, you probably are not going to carve out a meaningful role on a team that's going to do meaningful things in the regular season. Uh, Go, Gobert, isn't, Gobert isn't just a defensive specialist. I mean, he he really, uh, even on offense, he's he's extremely high efficiency in the paint and so on and so forth, even if he's it's somewhat limited. But mm-hmm. you can get away with that as a center to some degree. As a perimeter right, player, right. as a perimeter player, you're not going to be in the NBA as a defensive specialist. They don't exist anymore. Now, I will say that last season, yeah, it's, it's worth saying I said he was bad at everything. His defense was okay. And his defense in summer league was okay. And yeah, I know, Tommy, I've always disagreed with you about the confidence being an issue with Killian. Maybe it's, or being the issue. I think it is an issue. I think he has many other issues. Now, when it came to summer league, yeah, you look at this guy, you look at how well he did. 32% from the field, 18% from three. Uh, only got to the free throw line an average of once a game in his three games. He would just... If he was confronted with anything on the way to the on the way to the basket, he would almost invariably launch a floater. Bad shot. Uh, Four point seven assists to three point three turnovers. That's not good. And you know he did a decent job rebounding the ball. You kind of expect that out of uh, he's only six five. He doesn't jump too well, but uh, he's long. That helps. But this was just awful. This was awful. He was given heavy ball handling duties, and he was just bad. Like I only remember one notable play. Like he uh, he juked out somebody the beginning of uh, the Knicks game and hit a three uh, off the pull-up. That's about the only good play I remember him making. This was against Summer League opposition. Summer League does not hold a candle to the NBA. So, you know, I I don't think – I'll disagree with you on on this uh, also, Dante. I I don't think that he – you know, that the franchise was staking like a ton of hopes on him. He was the number seven pick in a weak draft, but – no, Man, I, I get what you're saying. I agree. Yeah. It, it's not comparable to like the Cade pick, for example. Um, but when you look at where the Pistons were, you know, around this time last year, Killian was being looked at as, okay, you know, this could be the guy who evolves into someone who leads our franchise. Uh, not to say that they were banking their future on him. That was maybe, you know, an exaggeratory tr- choice of words. But uh, 
Do you get my point? Like, as in, this was the guy who's supposed to stand out and yeah. become a major. Yeah, everybody called him point guard of the future. I don't know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. maybe. But yeah. point guard of the future. I mean, I, I thought that Killian, if he brought everything together, could be like the eighth best point guard in the league. Which I mean, would be I don't good. Think, I think that, that, would, that would that would be good. But this is not a guy who's going to lead a team anywhere. Eighth best point guard in the league. I mean, that's like not that's like not even all star level. So I I don't think the Pistons were betting on him having a super high ceiling. I mean, here's a guy who is not particularly at, he's got super super basketball IQ. He's good, very good passer. He is not very athletic. Uh, he does not have any potential as a takeover scorer, and he's got a long way to go to become that eighth best point guard in the league. Like yeah. three point shooting, pull up three point shooting, um, uh, in, in in between game, uh, shiftiness that allow him to score at the basket, and becoming good with his right hand. I mean, that is a lot to ask for. It and is. It is. yeah, that, that, that's a lot to ask for. The right hand thing needs to be done, period. And no ifs, ands, or buts on perimeter shooting. He is not going to be an NBA player if he cannot shoot from the perimeter. Hardly any perimeter player will be will be an NBA player if he cannot shoot. And and Killian certainly must be able to shoot threes at a high percentage, I would say. He's not going to be a guy you hand the ball to and, and say, oh, well, it's okay if you shoot inconsistent 35%. That'd be worlds better than they can do, but it's not good enough. Yeah. So if you're the player development staff, like, what do you focus on first? Like if, if if it was me, I would work on the right hand because I I just think that would open up so many more things because right now he's just the most predictable player in the NBA. Any player who can only go in one direction, you force him one way. And in Killian's case, he just kills his dribble and gets rid of it. And it's pretty frustrating for a guy who's projected to be like a passer because now yeah. he can't penetrate and he's not going to generate any offense that way. And that's what people were looking for from your point yeah. guard of the future. So I- I think I saw him pass once with his right hand in summer league, which was notable. And the yeah, fact I mean, that he that's just, notable is bad. Yeah, he, mm-hmm. he, he'll do that, but it's it's usually just like a like all right, like like a reset the play type deal where he's just like hand, not handing it off, but he's just getting rid of it. It's not like he's he's generating offense. So for me, and I and, the, and for me, like I hundred percent believe it, it, there's confidence issues with him. Like there are, but how much do those actually? How much? I think it's the root of his issues. Like if he, yeah, yeah, I I think think if he was, if he was a more confident player, a lot of things would look a lot better. Like I'm not saying he would be a good NBA player, but I think his percentages would be up. I don't think he would struggle to get into the interior. Like a confident player is going to be like if you're if you're in your head when you're playing the game, you you, you're slower. You you just it's not you're not you'd play differently. So I think Killian, just to me at least, he exhibits tendencies of a player who's not confident in his, in his abilities right now so i would work on getting him confident yeah it's getting him confident but there's also like confidence isn't gonna we see plenty of confident players who will just you know shoot threes and do a terrible job of it i don't think it's broken i mean he had that uh he had that that sample size it was a pretty small sample size in the euro cup in which he shot well from three i, I don't think it's hopeless but but what i have him work on shooting like shooting period needs to be able to do it needs to be able to you know in particular because of his athletic limitations he uh, he needs to be able to shoot threes. Uh, well, he needs to be able to shoot threes in order to stay on the floor, period. I mean, there, there are no really buts about that, but because of his athletic limitations, in order to get himself uh, the space to to penetrate, but also just to maximize himself, he needs to be able to shoot threes at high percentage. And he's far from that right now. Like, far, far, far from that. Right hands, just got to be able to do it. You got to work on both those things. Can't handle the ball otherwise. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, there's a couple of things I want to address here. I think that the two of you pretty much got it right with one, the right hand, and two, with the shooting. Uh, if I couldn't say either of those things, I might even distill it down further into just uh, scoring, period. And I don't mean, oh, tell the player development staff to make him a scorer, because it's like you said, Mike, his potential to become a takeover scorer is practically non-existent. But if I were them, I would try to do something <laughs> with Killian where it's like, there's got to be one spot on the floor, one play, one shot, one anything that you know you can score with. One, you know, tool in your tool belt, whether it's a mid-range shot, you know, a floater, a layup, a catch and shoot three, anything, literally anything to where if you can get to that spot and you can get that shot off and you're probably going to score, that would just open up his game so much more because now he's someone that you have to worry about as a guy who can put the ball in the basket and Obviously, it's like you said, Tommy, if you're supposed to be a passer, man, is it frustrating when you can't penetrate? Man, is it frustrating when you can't score? So if I was the player development staff, that's something that I would look heavily at. And last thing I want to address regarding Killian is I know you said, Tommy, that um, you think the root of the issue is confidence. I, I actually disagree. I think that he is someone who's lacking confidence, but I don't think that's the root of his issues because 
how often do you see a player who's supposedly timid and lacks confidence, but he's taking like three, four step back threes a game, you know, and trying all these crazy passes. I don't, I don't think it's because he's not confident. I think he just is not able to do these things. And then when he's not able to do them for whatever reason, then he starts to lack confidence and then it's a negative feedback loop and it just feeds itself and feeds itself. And the results, unfortunately, are what we're seeing now and what we saw in the summer league. I think he's in his head. And I just, I, the way every time I watch him play, like, yeah, there are those moments like where he in summer league, where he had that nice step back three. And I know exactly what play you're referencing, but other than that, like a player who tries to attack the paint gets bumped and then just they stop. Like that is not a confident player. I, I just, there's, there's no guy who is willing to attack the basket who isn't confident. Like I, I, I firmly believe that is the root of his issues. But, and then going back to what you said, Dante, about if it was just one spot on the floor where he's going to score from uh, the catch and shoot three, I think if, if we're just talking, going back to like, what does he need to work on the catch and shoot it. three? Yeah. Yeah. Has to, has to be it. He has to have that. But I will say uh, if you think like he, he isn't playing uh, like there are certain translatable skills, put it this way that he brought over from Europe. Like, for example, in his final season, uh, his final year playing in Europe, he scored about one uh, point per jump shot, like in his pull-up jump shots. And that's great. That's an efficient shot. That's something you should be able to translate to the NBA. It is just a pull-up jumper. It might be more difficult to get it off, but you should be able to do it. It was just really, uh, he would just stop and shoot on a dime. That's It's not really a shot you take off in the NBA, but if you can make that efficient, great. It really opens up your game. That's not, you're not going to have that be your go-to play. I mean, you have to be able to shoot threes. <laughs> that has to be the place. If you're going to score from one place, that has to be the place as a perimeter player. And I've said it before, if Killian ends up being the guy who just shoots threes on high volume, plays good defense, uh, is a transition playmaker and does some secondary playmaking in the half court, you know, great. That's fine. Uh, might not keep you in the starting lineup, but maybe it can. Uh, you just, you have to be at other players. You have a better option than other players. So, but he's just got such a long way to go. And I think we can bring the conversation to concerns about next season playing next to Cade. And Cade's been very supportive. He said, you know, I want Killian to be the guy on the floor with me. And that's great. But my concern is that the Pistons will try to shove a square peg into a round hole to a fault by <laughs> saying we want to get Killian reps at the, at the cost of getting those ball handling reps for for Cade Cunningham, who projects as, as as certainly the ball handler of the future and in a much more talented player than Killian. So uh, I'm concerned the possibility of possibly stunning some developments, not only of, of Cade, but also of the guys around him who could benefit much more from having him handle the ball than Killian. That, that's what I'm concerned about. I don't think you can just say, well, we've got this sunk cost and we got to try to squeeze whatever out of him that we can. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, I've been thinking about this for a while, and 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 I'll say this, and I'll, I'll I'll try to put it as delicately as I can because we were so critical of Casey um, early on last season, and then I think the three of us sort of you know changed our opinion, and and based on his handling of Bay and Stewart specifically, and even Saban Lee to a to a certain extent, we sort of realized that these bring these guys along slow approach uh, sort of worked and it led to some good development. Well, I yeah. think, I think he still, uh, I think he was still did very badly at the beginning of the season. Like, it, I don't subscribe to looking back and saying it all made sense. I think he actually did very badly at the beginning of the season. I, I do too. Hence why I was critical of him. Hence why all three of us were critical of him, but I felt that he improved and whether that's Weaver or, you know, Gores or whatever forced his hand, or he just had a change of heart or it was just his plan all along. I want to give him credit for how the second half of the season went and the, the results that it yielded. Uh, but I agree. When I watch, yeah, but when I watch the summer league, and I understand that Casey's not the coach of the summer league team, but he obviously has a hand on uh, a hand in what's going on. I was just terrified of the way that they used Cunningham. Um, I loved it when he had the ball in his hands. I loved it when we were able to see what he can do because that's our franchise, you know, that's our future. But when he was sort of um, pushed to the side and just kind of left as a spot up shooter, a secondary ball handler, that really scared me. You know, that gave me PTSD to the Stan Van Gundy years, just not letting your rookies be the guy, not letting them have the chance to make mistakes. And Mike, it's like when you were talking, I was thinking, man, get out of my head because I completely, completely, completely agree. Not only do I agree, I actually think that this is a situation that unfortunately is going to play out. I think that Cade is not going to be given the reins as the primary primary ball handler. 
not because Killian has earned the right to be the one to initiate the offense, but just because they're going to give him the reps just because. You know, I don't know if it's because of sunk cost fallacy or because Casey likes him or some combination of those things, but I don't think Cade's going to be the one to bring the ball up the court every time and initiate the offense. I think he's going to split it with Killian, and quite frankly, they're not even in the same stratosphere as a player right now. Cade is much more valuable, has much higher upside, so I would just hate to see his development stunted because they feel like giving Killian the ball. Much yeah, more I important. disagree with you. Much more important. I'd say he's much more important to the franchise, too. I'll just say this real quick. I know I've broken any time, but... Uh, the, the, my, an additional concern of mine is that, yeah, Kate can play off the ball and Killian cannot. And I'm concerned that that will be a factor. I know what you're going to say, Tommy, though, about bringing, you know, about not putting too much pressure on a player early. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, this is where we, like, I started my argument with, uh, I think Killian was given too much too early. So I'm not going to echo your sentiment that they should give the reins to Cade straight away just because he's the number one. Like, I, I think you'd have to be careful with this because I don't want to see that. Like Cade definitely seems like a more confident player than Killian. Killian is very soft-spoken and uh, I don't know. There's just a lot oh, more. To say the least. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but Parrot, I, just absolute opposite end of the scale. Yeah. But I, if, and this really, I was going to bring this up more with Corey Joseph because I'm going to have another take that you guys aren't going to like. But uh, as, as far as having Cade be like the lead ball handler, uh, at least for the first 20 games, I hope they don't do it. I I would prefer that he plays an off-ball role just to get going because if if Cade had played lead ball handler in game one of Summer League, I think he would have had a lot of turnovers and his shooting percentages were already bad. They didn't give him the ball or they didn't have him initiate the offense or run everything in Summer League and his percentages improved. And it's a three-game sample size. I recognize that. But I, I think there is significant benefit to just taking the slow I think that we've seen that. So I'm not going to be upset or surprised if they don't give him the ball on opening night. Eventually, yeah, obviously you want Cade to be your lead ball handler. He has just tons of talent there. But it's a transition from playing at Oklahoma State to the NBA, and he's going to have a target on his back. He's the number one overall pick. So I would like to bring him along slowly. I completely disagree, like 100% disagree. Like you have the issue with Killian, who who came into an you know just a different, absolutely different stratosphere in terms of level of competition. I mean, Euro Cup is below Euro League, which is significantly below the NBA, and and had a lot of flaws in his game. I mean, if we were to go with this argument, I mean, how many rookies who were brought in uh, who are highly touted prospects, but we just say, oh well, we just shouldn't give them the ball. We shouldn't give them the you know we shouldn't give them ball handling duties because you know because they're rookies and we just shouldn't. And how many times have we seen uh, highly touted rookies come in and do really well? Like it, it happens. Like you have uh, you have high draft picks who come in uh, and, and handle the ball and, and actually legitimately do well. And to just say that oh we should bring them along slowly it just completely discounts that. I would say. I I, and, I, I, I just yeah. I just agree with you because like look at Lamelo Ball like he's probably a pretty comparable passer in terms of like the way that they ran offense through him. Like he started the season off the bench. They brought him along slowly. I, I'm sure that helped him get comfortable and helped his transition. He's a supremely confident player, and I think Kate is a very confident player as well. But I just think there's benefit to bringing along these guys slowly. Yeah, sure. You bring them along slowly, but you have other guys you bring in who do well right off the bat. As far as Lamelo, I mean, Lamelo was playing in, in a league that was significantly inferior even to the NCAA. I mean, the uh, the NBL is dominated by by NCAA washouts and washouts in the sense that they don't get drafted in the NBA. They go overseas and play in the, in the, uh, in the NBL. And those are a lot of the best players. Like yeah, I'm Andrew talking Cook, about his NBA season. He started. I know, we're talking about, we're talking about, yeah. I, I understand that, but we're talking about where they came from. All right. Meanwhile, Cade was uh, handled a, an enormously large share of the creation and, and, and the lead ball handling for a team that really didn't have much to offer aside from him. And sure, they lost him round two of the NCAA tournament, but uh, he just he basically carried Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State there. He was the best player in the NCAA, and uh, he's projected to come into the NBA as a very well-rounded and ready player. I agree, he did not look great in summer league. I also think he was absolutely not in game shape, and, and Dwayne Casey admitted as much. So, I don't think there's necessarily a benefit to just saying, "Oh, well, this guy's new. Let's bring him along slowly." I yeah. mean, there there are a multitude of other cases in which that hasn't been the in which that hasn't been true. And what does a player really learn from just playing off ball? You have this really confident player who is not frazzled easily by any means, uh, who's who's got a lot of leadership potential, who wants to lead this team. And, and there are guys you put in there and say, learn as you go. You know, what's the worst that's going to happen with with Cade? I mean, he's not going to be like a player who's going to come in and say, oh well, it's tough, so I can't do it. 
No, I'm just going to lose confidence. Not. Absolutely not. I, I, Tommy, you know I love you, but I, I think I got to side with Mike on this one. I, I, there's, uh, there's absolutely merit to to the the mantra or the notion of bringing someone along slow, but I also think it's highly contextual. And that you you can't just paint every new player who comes in with the brush of oh well you know we should take it slow and let them get comfortable well it's it's like Mike said, Cade took on a, a titanic share of the offensive creation workload at Oklahoma State he was the best player in college basketball I believe he was also the most clutch college player uh, player in college basketball and this is not someone who gets phased this is not someone who gets rattled by anything and if his future is as the lead primary ball handler for the franchise. I don't really see the benefit to him playing off ball to say a Corey Joseph or a Killian Hayes or something like that. I, I Cade's a guy who I expect to be a Hall of Famer when it's all said and done. They, I know that's lofty to say, but he was the first overall pick. He's one of the, in my opinion, most highly touted first overall picks of the past decade. I have every expectation that he's going to be a superstar. I do. So I don't think it's crazy to let him, you know, take the ball and have at it. Trial by fire. Learn as you go. You were the first overall pick. Just show us what you got. I would rather they bring him along slowly or have him start off the bench because even going back to summer league. like goes to why. Why would they do it? What are the benefits of it? Yeah. Because, I mean, look, look, when you look at how he played, he was primarily on the perimeter. He wasn't blowing past guys. His one thing, his one thing that everybody points to as a drawback is the lack of athleticism. Don't bring don't, – don't, it's not some – given that he's going to come in and just be yeah. perfect. How do you learn then? What do you do? You kick him off the ball and say, okay, we'll just watch. I mean, no, just, like, the, just, just don't, that gonna get don't him? dump everything on him. Have him play yeah. off ball a little bit. Yeah. Off ball a little bit, but what we were arguing earlier is that you should have him play a primarily off ball role in the early stages of the season. What's a player like Cade really going to learn from just hanging around the perimeter? Yeah. Uh, he's already, let a shooting yeah. touch like, come along first. That'll open up the rest shooting of the touch, game. His shooting yeah. touch already is along. I, I mean, well, it's, it's already there. Yeah, it's it's already already there. I mean, he struggled in his first game. It's he struggled in his let, first let game. Let him get his shot. It's, it's NBA defense versus college defense. Yeah, it's but not some given that he's going to be able to get his shot off. I know but, he hadn't played five on five really in four months. Uh, uh, so it's, yeah. he was, he was clearly not in game shape. It was a bit, it was admitted as much by Dwayne Casey. And uh, I mean, you just, uh, sure. You, you don't need to say, okay, well here we're, you're going to run our offense altogether. And that's just going to be how things are. But you look at other players who like, for example, like in 2019, obviously you have Zion. I mean, these are, these are different players to a degree and, uh, you know, maybe more able to create their, more able to create their own offense. But like John Morant, you look at him, sure, highly athletic point guard can get in the paint, but you give him ball handling duties, he does well with it. You look at Anthony Edwards, who was given a shot early on. He struggled. He, had, he drastically improved over the course of the season. Uh, it's just, I mean, I don't see what Kate possibly has to gain by just being said, oh, well, here are your first 20 games, we're going to give Corey Joseph the ball and you just hang out in the perimeter and, I don't know, figure things out. Yeah, I think he'll come into the season much better conditioned, come into the season stronger. And I think he is a learn-as-you-go player. I don't think by any means he is a player whose confidence is going to be hurt if he struggles. Yeah, it's not a confidence thing. It's more like how he's going to learn to operate with NBA defense because the, the guys you just talked about, Zion Williamson, John Morant, Anthony Edwards, like their bread and butter is attacking the basket. Cade was struggling that. to do that even in summer league. Like yeah. he just needs to get used to NBA defense. And I think bring him how along does he do slowly that? is the way to do well, it. Yeah, let me, how, how, yeah, how does he do that without playing without playing as the handler against NBA defense? Yeah, let me. He's still going to get, he's, he's, he's like, you, 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 like Steph Curry, you still put your best defender on him even if he's off ball. Like he still has to run sure, around and get his but shot. How, how do you how do you improve as a ball handler by playing off the ball? How, how do you it's, it's how do you more how do you, a transitory thing? Like twenty games of the season, like yeah, start shifting it more towards Kate because I do believe that he has the highest ceiling in terms of ball handling on the roster. But yeah, but what do you? I, what I firmly do you do? believe that this is the sort of thing you just take your time with. I'm not. I don't, I'm well, not concerned I, I, about yeah. win totals. This Tommy, season. let me I just let me want them let to me be better overall players. Let me ask you this, Tommy, because I I, I see where you're coming from. I, I I think you see where where Mike and I are coming from, but. I think what Mike is trying to say, and then this is something I completely echo, is that I understand that, that that you want to bring him along slowly. You voiced that your idea for that is to let him play off ball, to not give him the primary duties right away, like say for the first 15, 20 games. But one of the reasons that you cited for doing that was, oh, we'll let him get a shooting touch. But the guy came in out of shape and shot like seven out of 10 from three. Like there's nobody on our roster who can yeah, do that and right that now. was the third game. In his first game, he shot 207. Like it's, No, I understand. It's, but yeah, I think he, but I think it's pretty game. obvious that he's going to come in and yeah, be two an excellent. 207, four of nine, and then seven of 10. Like he ended up oh, shooting. Right, but you, I mean, I could do the math. But it was like he, he shot ended 50, up shooting shot, very well. Yeah. Shot out 50%. Yeah. Yeah, but do we not think he's going to come so, in and be yeah, a but plus well, how do you bring him in and shooter right away? I think 20 games of bringing it slow would be worth it. 
bring it no, slow, no, no, but, but what's bringing it slow? Just saying playoff that's, ball. That's what I'm asking is if he's a plus shooter already, and that's the primary skill that you would supposedly work on playing off the ball. If he's already coming in as a plus shooter, what is playing off the that's ball? That's my doing disagreement. I don't, I'm not going to, I don't want to assume that he's a plus shooter already in the NBA against NBA defense. Uh, I also I think don't think, I, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that he's going to struggle off the dribble too. I mean, one of, like, uh, I'm only saying this because he was comped, for example, regularly to, uh, to Luca. Luca, who came in, and sure, he he already you know he was uh, he was the MVP at age nineteen of the, the second best league in the world. That's true, but questions about him is he athletic enough, for example, to get to the basket in the NBA? And if I remember correctly, he absolutely was not just brought along slowly. He was brought in, and and uh, he split ball handling duties with Dennis Smith Jr. I think this is a parallel situation to what we might look at with the Pistons with the Mavericks saying, <laughs> "Oh, we want to split ball handling duties." You have a you know you have a point guard whom you drafted. I think they drafted him number eight the season before. And it's like, oh, we want to see what we can get out of him. And basically, Luca was always the superior ball handler by, by a significant degree. Sure. And if, if, if Cade yeah, looks other, other like parallels. he's... Yeah, and if other Cade parallels, looks like he's... Like, yeah, she couldn't shoot. Sure. And if Cade looks like he's like already ready for it, then I'm not, I'm not married to this timeline of 20 games before you give him the responsibility. It's just like, I would rather... He looks very comfortable and we just... we dial it back in terms of giving him the opportunity then give it all to him and he looks uncomfortable and just hope that he figures it out because that's what they tried with Killian and it did not this work. Is, this is a pair of two different difference. players. Sure. They're, yeah, they're extremely different Aid players. It is, is not Killian by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, yeah Killian, I mean, but it's, it's a seventh it's, it's overall a huge, pick and a number one overall pick. Yeah, they're it was, still both it was, lead ball handlers. Like there's a gigantic difference. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, Killian... Killian came in as a player with as a raw player with a lot of flaws. Gabe was was projected as one of the most well-rounded players to come into the NBA in in in, in a long time. Yeah, they're both ball and, handlers, and they're both not particularly athletic. Like I yeah, think they both struggle with NBA defense. So that's those that's are my the only parallels. Those are the see. only parallels. Though. Yeah, that's those are the only parallels. Aside from that, I mean, these are it's, these it's are a big deal. It's ball it's, handling. They both, yeah, sure. They both handle the ball, but aside from and, and sure that another one is is extremely athletic, is, is particularly athletic. But beyond that, I mean, there are gigantic differences between, between the two of them. I mean, Killian had a lot of flaws coming in, couldn't even handle the ball with his right hand. Uh, and uh, whereas, like I said, we're looking at the number one overall pick in a very strong draft, who is projected as this very well-rounded NBA NBA ready player. And I just I don't think that you can comp the situation with the two of those. I, mean, we I, haven't don't really think, I don't think there's. It, I don't think there is. I don't think there is any comparison between between the two of them as far yeah. as how they're coming into the NBA. Yeah, I'll say no, Cade I seems agree. like the more confident player, but like again, we haven't more really confident. talked about this. It's almost like <laughs> I would it's say almost like Cade, people are Cade. afraid to talk about this. But Cade did not get to the basket very often. He was pretty perimeter oriented. Like I still have concerns about him getting to the basket in the NBA. The defense is only going to we'll toughen up. I toughen up, but he gets stronger and a better shape. No, I, I, I don't really share those concerns. I think that um, an overreaction to Summer League one way or the other is not really warranted. I mean, if it was, you know, Trey Young wouldn't be in the NBA. I, I think that yeah, I agree with Mike. He wasn't in game shape. Uh, he sort of started to come into his own as these games progressed. Me personally, just based on my own eye test, I thought he got better and better and better. And I think he actually, I, I don't even agree with you, Mike, that he had a, you know, mediocre Summer League. I think he had a good Summer League. I thought the first game was not that great. Aside from that, I thought he performed perfectly fine, uh, more than adequate. I enjoyed watching him. I think he's going to carry that over into the season when he's A, more in shape, and B, has built more chemistry with his teammates. So it's really up to the coaching staff to put him in the right position to succeed. I believe the right position is, well, if he's the future of the franchise as the lead ball handler, let him do that. I don't think he gains anything as an off-the-ball player when, in my opinion, he already excels at the things that being an off-the-ball player to start his career would teach him. So I just don't really see the use for it. But aside from that, I I don't know if that's all there needs to be said. And I, I, yeah, know I was going to say, we, we, I'm sure this is going to come up again because... Yeah, for sure. We can we, sure. Maybe we can put the ball on Killian and move on to one of the other two. Well, what, yeah. I, what I'll say is that when it comes to confidence, I mean, Cade Cunningham is like a 10 out of 10 confidence player. Killian, oh, yeah. came, into the, Killian came into the league as like a 1 out of 10 confidence player. Yep, yep. So, yep. yeah, I'd, I'd, say, I'd say ruining his confidence is not really an issue. It's not really something that needs to be worried about. No, this I don't think who wants to do this. You guys ever seen the movie Unbreakable? The one that Angelina Jolie directed? That's that's pretty much Cade. Unbreakable. There's not a chance. <laughs> like, I could not picture a single thing that would shake that guy's confidence. And so to me, it's like, okay, so you throw him into the fire and he struggles a little bit. Like, who cares? Lots of players did. You know, 
no player is perfect, none. And I don't think it'll rattle Kate. If anything, I think he can learn from it and grow from it. Yeah. I, yeah. I, but yeah, let's, uh, we've already made it. It's probably about 20 minutes into this discussion. So uh, I agree. Let's move on to number two, who would be, uh, or who is rather Corey Joseph. Uh, I know that Dante is, has a Jersey, a Corey Joseph Jersey, three so, jerseys, three jerseys. Three gotcha. Joseph right, yeah. From, by me. Yeah, from uh, from Toronto and and Indiana mm-hmm. and and uh, and Detroit mm-hmm. probably. Yeah, D- didn't didn't buy a Sacramento jersey. Was I that? didn't buy the Sacktown one. No, um, no. no the only Sacktown I rep is uh, is Tupac. But uh, other than that, <laughs> Corey is. Um, you know, I I feel like I, I feel like I could talk about Corey for a long time, but I also feel like I've oh, said that's all the spoiler alert. Just just to clarify, Dante really doesn't like Corey Joseph. No, I'm not a Corey Joseph <laughs> fan. But at the bare minimum, I do recognize that you know he's got some talent. He did pleasantly surprise me with his level of play last season. But the reason that I don't like him, as Mike just stated, is because we didn't want to win. So when he was playing well, it was like like what the hell, man? Like what, what's what's going on here? I just didn't get it. But I I think that there's definitely some merit to veteran leadership, you know, especially when you have a team as young as the Pistons and a team that, I, I mean, the leaders are, I guess, Jeremy Grant and Cade Cunningham, you know, that, that that's really it. So I think there's merit to having Corey out I there. Say that. I wouldn't say that they're the only ones. I think Isaiah Stewart plays a leadership role. Oh, I think so too. But in terms of just guys you look to who on paper are the leaders, I'm doing air quotes right now. Uh, and yeah, I, I would include Stewart. And I, I think even Bay too. I think there's some strong leadership on the team, but you know, most of the players are very young and I think there's some merit to having Corey out there, but I would like to see him play a lot less than he played in his stint with the team last year, just b- by virtue of the fact that I'd much rather see what, what Cade and Killian can do. And, you know, even Saban, I don't know if he'll be in the G League or not, but I'd, I'd rather watch Saban just for the pure potential than, than Corey. But uh, overall, I mean, I don't hate that he's back. I, I don't like the player, but I don't hate that he's back. And I think that uh, he can play a valuable role. I hope that that role is not on the court quite as much as it was. And my big fear, I'll end it on this. My big fear is that we wanted him to play poorly last season. He played well, pissed us off. This year, when I don't really think the organization is interested in tanking anymore, when we might actually want to win games, now he might start playing poorly because that's just, I don't know. I could see him pissing me off again. I I really could. So I don't know what you guys think, but that's where I'm at. He drastically outperformed his career baseline. Uh, oh, this, for sure. Season. Definitely. Yeah, and here's the thing with Corey Joseph. Even last season, he was really an outdated bow handler. Takes a lot of mid-range shots. Does not take a lot of three-point shots at all. Uh, the issue with putting him on the floor, unless he's just magically become a, a reliable three-point shooter over the last six months, which I find very difficult to believe, he can't really play off ball too well. You're basically putting him on the ball and asking him to go to work. And I, I think that was one of the things you and I both disliked about him uh, with uh, with the Pistons is that it's not so much you put him on the court and he just kind of plays a role. You put him on the court, he handles the ball and other players pretty much get squeezed out. So what I will say, he brings, he's a steadying presence. He's a reliable ball handler, like just as a ball handler. Uh, and he's, he's apparently very well liked. Uh, he was very well liked by in Sacramento, certainly by Halliburton and De'Aaron Fox. Both had very good things to say about him. I think he's just he'll be a helpful presence for the youth. I think that's why he was brought back. And I yep. mean, partially, probably also because kid Dwayne Casey has a history with him, really likes him. That's part of it. But uh, I didn't dislike the signing, and it seems like he's projected to come off the bench, and that's perfectly fine with me. I think that's the ideal way to do it. Unless, you know, unless Kelly and Cade both really struggle with ball handlers, it's the only situation in which I can see him in the starting lineup. I I agree with everything you said. Um, I have a slightly different take on how to use him, but I'll say this. Um, I, I think there was something made of the fact that Torrey Joseph and Killian have a relationship, so that was already um, a very good thing that is encouraging because definitely anything that's going to help Killian get more comfortable in the league is is definitely something worth investing in. So going back to my idea of when, when I look at the roster and I look at the things that I want to see get better, I want Killian, Killian's confidence to be improved. Uh, and I think the way to do that is to bring him off the bench. I don't think Saban Lee is ready to start. So my idea for the first 20 games, yeah, you're going to love this, is start Corey Joseph alongside Cade Cunningham, have those guys split the ball handling duties. 
because I think Corey Joseph just provides so much steadying presence. He he plays like a vet. He looks comfortable out there, and I think that even and I'm not I'm not concerned about wins because I I agree with you, Mike. I don't think that his career, the way he played last year, is going to translate to this upcoming season. So I I would just say that even if it results in a, in some some losses, I think having Corey Joseph out there next decade. What's that? I don't care about losses either. I'm just, yeah, I just yeah. want to break in that you've, you've expounded upon the importance of having maximum spacing around Cade. You can't do that with Corey Joseph on the floor. Yeah. And I'll take, I'll take the losses there because I, I don't want Cade to, it's not, to it's be not the losses. It's, yeah, that, it's, it's that you, you can't play him optimally and give him the best chance to succeed. If you, if you're not putting maximum spacing around him and you can't, you can't, unless Corey I mean, Joseph, what are the options? Is, it's Killian Hayes or Saban Lee. Like no, neither of those guys can space the floor at all. At least now you have some steadying veteran presence out there. Yeah, you do, and and, uh, and and neither of those can do it, and I don't think Saban, under any circumstances this year, is likely to be in the starting lineup anywhere no. near the start of the season. No. But it's like I said in the last episode, you can consider putting somebody like Frank Jackson, for example, in the starting lineup. I don't really like it, but yeah, I agree there aren't very many good options, but the thing about uh, Corey Joseph is just how he plays. He's just he not a good a very, player, yeah. No, no, Corey Joseph, no, he plays a very ball-dominant style. Last season, he was a decent player for the Pistons, I mean, by any measure, but he plays a very ball-dominant style. And like I said, you look at his shot profile, a lot of mid-range shots. Yeah. Half his half his shots came from mid-range. Uh, you know, from his threes, I mean he shot he shot well on his threes. They accounted for nineteen less than twenty percent of his shots. He's very good at the rim, but obviously he's handling the ball if he's scoring at the rim. So that that's where I don't see it. You can't really reconcile yeah, Dante, it too well. I know Dante has a response to this, but what I would say just just to wrap up this little idea of mine in my head, I want Corey Joseph, Cade Cunningham starting the first twenty games. And then Corey Joseph goes to the bench and is replaced by Frank Jackson, assuming he's shooting the ball well. That's my idea. I think that's how you make that transition. Uh, it's not the most – you're not going to win the most games, but I think that's how you make the transition the best uh, for those guys. And I think keeping Killian on the bench will be better for his confidence. So, Dante, I'm, if you haven't had a stroke, tell me what you think. Yeah, you know in the dark night when the Joker's walking away from the hospital before he blows it up? Yeah. That's, that movie. that's what you just did to me. <laughs> That's that's what that was, and I, <laughs> I was just sitting here listening to you guys, to you guys talk about it, and and my issue, aside from the fact that um, you know, it gets my heart rate up, and I, I might have a stroke, is the fact that I, I think Mike kind of touched on it, and and he articulated it very well, and that I, I don't think that uh, Corey Joseph plays a complimentary piece to anyone. You know, I, I feel like when Corey's out there, especially playing for Dwayne Casey, who just absolutely loves him. He is the guy. He is the offense. He's not really deferring to anybody. And uh, it's for better or for worse. If that's the attitude that got him into the NBA, that got him this far, good for him. But it's not something that I'm particularly interested in seeing, especially not when we just got the first overall pick in an absolutely loaded draft. And I'm much more interested in seeing what Cade can do than Corey can do. So while I agree with the two of you that the options as far as spacing is concerned are very, very limited, you know, Killian is as far away from a floor spacer as you could possibly be in Saban's shot looks like I don't know, like some of the the guys that I would see in grade school shoot. Like his three point shot is not consistent at all. Though he did he did okay in the summer league, but the point remains. Uh, Frank Jackson really is the option you want to go with if you're looking for spacing. But I just I don't know. I don't think Corey in the starting lineup is the move. And if you plan on taking him out after 15, 20 games anyway, what's really the point of having him in there in the first place? I, I think it would. I think it would be much more beneficial to have Killian out there, not because I think he's the best option to help us win, but because seeing how they play in meaningful NBA, they as in Cade and Killian, seeing how they play in meaningful NBA minutes against other meaningful competition, uh, that's that's crucial. It's crucial um, to observe that. It's crucial for the educational purposes on, okay, how are we going to predict that this might play out in the future? We just got to know how the two of them are going to look. And we should get that out of the way sooner rather than later, in my opinion. And having Corey Joseph on the floor does not do that at all. It just doesn't serve a purpose, in my opinion. We got a taste of it in Summer League. And to be to, to kind of, I don't know, restate it, it's the reason is twofold. One, I think Corey Joseph provides a lot more stability. He plays with a lot more poise. He looks a lot more comfortable out there than Killian ever has. And two is Killian does not look like an NBA player, let alone a starter. And if you're if if this is like a bet that I'm making, like I think it's better to, <laughs> I've said it a million times, bring these guys along slowly, and I think that's your your best chance at making them NBA players, right? Because with Killing, you can't 
unless he, he really has done like a lot of work this offseason, both physically and mentally on his game, I don't think he's going to come in and just look better. Uh, I was really, really hoping that he would look a lot better in summer league and it's just not there. So I, uh, that's kind of fed into the confidence thing for me, but my goodness, like I just can't imagine offensively Killian looking decent next to Cade. And uh, if at that point, yeah, you're forced to, uh, put the ball in Cade's hands, and I don't want Cade to be the primary ball handler right away. So, keeping Killian out of the starting lineup, keeping the ball out of Cade's hands for the for the bulk of ball handling to start the season, that's why I want Corey Joseph to start. It's not a long term solution because again, I don't think Corey Joseph is actually going to play as well as he did last season. So, it's it's a interesting bet. And I know it's not going to be a popular popular idea with anybody, and if. Uh, it's not that I think they're going to end up doing it. It's just what I would do personally. But I think that there's there's benefit to doing it that way. You know, it ignores, it, like I said before, it ignores all of the players who have come in and have been given a lot of responsibility and who have done well. I mean, I, I think the notion that it's always best to bring players along slowly doesn't hold any water. It holds water in some cases, and it might turn out to be the, the best way. But just that, you know, let's do it in every case. I, I don't really see that. That's I, I think that's demonstrably false. It might be true in most cases, but we're talking about, like I said, a player who is who is judged to be one of the one of the most well-rounded players. Sure, to enter the NBA yeah. in the and, draft in a long time. But like, just going back to summer yeah. league, I know so, that but, we've we're just yeah, I know that summer league. Yeah. We've talked about that. We've talked. I mean, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but like, we, we I said, don't think we he was conditioned. Yeah, but uh, he like if he's a guy that's I supposed mean, to be getting to, into the into the paint with dribble moves because he's not going to burst past anybody, even if he is in game shape. Like. He, he he was he was creating space on the perimeter with dribble moves, but he wasn't attacking the basket. And I don't know that any amount of you know conditioning is ever going to make him the kind of guy who can just burst past anybody. He does he that's just not his game. So I would like to bring him along slowly, just so that he gets comfortable with his perimeter game. And then if he if he's going to be you know living up to these Luca comps a bit more, Luca is a guy who's getting by with he he's breaking guys down with his handle and getting them leaning one way and then switching directions that's what Cade needs to be and he was doing it on the perimeter and getting a shot off on the perimeter but he was not taking it inside so I, I he's not a complete ball handler and he he didn't show that in summer league so I would like him to play next to a guy who can well, penetrate and that is certainly not Killian and Cade can't space or Saban can't space the floor so out of these options I think Corey Joseph is the best one well it might be the best option but again we're looking at a situation in which I'm going to repeat myself. A, the guy wasn't in game shape. And and B, a lot of the time, yes. he was just kicked off the ball so that Saban Lee or, or Killian Hayes can do it. He was played yes. in lineups with that. horrifically bad spacing. And he was basically put into a position in which he was not being treated as the primary ball handler. And he was, he was, and he was handling the ball under pretty much awful situations, uh, under a bad coach, Without really uh, even a particularly good pick and roll option, he played most of his minutes alongside Tyler Cook, who was so bad yes. that he didn't get minutes the last two games. I think it was maybe the last three games. So I don't think summer league is is really a good way to judge on it. But I mean, I think ultimately we'll find. Yeah, I mean, we'll this it was one of the things that I was looking for from Cade. Like he, he's, you know, that's the, he, if he's yeah. going to break down guys in the NBA, it's going to be off of handle, not burst, and he didn't show that in summer league. And uh, I agree with everything you said. It's all accurate, but it's not like Cade was just purely catch and shoot in summer league. He was he was able to get some of his own offense, and he did not attack the basket. He did not get free throws. Uh, it's a legitimate concern that I have. Um, can I just say regarding the free throw thing, this didn't um, this didn't come up in our summer league review, and it's just a a quick point, and then I want to move on. But people kept pointing to the lack of free throws. It's something that was alarming, and I I am completely of the mindset that if you can't draw fouls going to the basket or in and around the basket in this league you are really limiting your ability to become a star or superstar. You need to be able to shoot those free throws. But if you go back and watch his Oklahoma State tape, uh, a lot of his free throws, a lot of the fouls that he drew, actually came from sealing off smaller guys around the basket and posting them up. And if you actually go back and watch some of the summer league games too, Cade tried to box these guys out sometimes did it very successfully like like his defenders were completely sealed off in addition to being mismatches because they're much smaller than him and he was just not fed the ball I don't know if that's a chemistry issue I don't know if that's a coaching it's issue probably a coaching thing yeah I, I think it's a coaching thing too yeah 
Coaching was horrifically bad. I f- oh, I feel it was like, horrendous. I feel like, you know, no offense to this coach, I'm sure, I'm sure is seems to be, you know, I'm sure is a good player development guy. This seemed to be the equivalent of just giving the coaching job to the janitor who had no idea what he was doing. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, that's an exaggeration, yeah. but this guy seems to have no idea what he was offense, doing. Yeah. No, no. And, I, and I'm sorry. when, But when Cade's got a guy like practically half his size on his back and he's calling for the ball and shaking his arm around like crazy, just like waving his hand calling for it, you got to feed him. And guys are going to panic when they're put in that spot because they're going to be like, well, he could just jump and shoot over me. And that's when they slap him on the arm and boom there's an and one or at the bare minimum, boom, there's two free throws. So that's one underrated aspect of Cade's game that made him such an all around effective college player that he was able to showcase in absolutely zero situations during the summer league that I think that I don't think Casey's a stupid guy. I think he'll recognize that. I don't think Weaver's a stupid guy. I think he'll recognize that. And I think Cade post touches will be a thing. And I think the free throws will come. And from there, he'll build confidence. He'll drive to the basket more effectively. And I think the free throws will come. I I agree with all of that. And I would just say that in the, in the NBA, in the upcoming season, there is this plan to kind of eliminate some of those non-basketball move fouls. So Cade wasn't a guy who was, yeah, yeah. Cade wasn't a guy who was doing that stuff anyway. But let's see. I'm I'm curious to see how Cade does plan to get his his free throws because it's just it is it is the most efficient shot if you're a decent free throw if you're an average free throw shooter like you want free throws and for a guy who projects to be handling the ball as much as he does, uh, he needs he needs to get to the line a little bit more. It's just kind of essential. But uh, that that that's my my theory on Corey Joseph. Yeah. I think he provides a lot of stability as a veteran player, and whether he comes whether he starts at some point or comes off the bench, I think he's a valuable piece uh, both on and off the court. Uh, I would say that we'll just we'll find out in preseason. <laughs> I'd say it's almost a, this this discussion. I have to put it this way is almost moot because we'll find out in preseason how everybody looks. Uh, but uh, yeah, why don't we move on? Uh, if there are no further comments about Corey yeah, Joseph, absolutely. We can move on to Saban Lee. Okay, so uh, Saban and Summer League uh, looked terrible in the first three games <laughs> with those, uh, particularly those dreadful three guard lineups uh, with Cade, Killian, and, and Saban. Uh, those were just horrifically bad. Just awful. I don't know why they were even tried. But I uh, really saw an uptick in his his usage in the final two games without uh, Killian Hayes and, and Kate Cunningham on the floor. So, uh, yeah, Dante, what did, what did the, really what what were your takeaways from Saban Lee? Oh, Saban is like I don't know. I uh, my dad had a pretty good comparison. It was, it was kind of like when um, <laughs> it's like if Ish Smith got bit by the spider that bit Tony Parker. Or Tony Parker. Oh my God, Peter Parker. That's crazy. I got a Marvel poster up in my room too, and I just mixed his name up. But it's like, yeah, it's like Ish Smith with like athletic superpowers. I mean, he he's he's sort of that offensive engine that, in my opinion, can dribble around, kind of poke around, find spots in the defense that uh, he can maybe get a shot off on. He goes up hard to the basket, which is something that Ish could never do. But in terms of pure quickness, you know, that's who he reminds me of. Just kind of that offensive spark plug off the bench. Uh, the problem with Saban is one of the same problems that plagued Ish in that he's just not a reliable perimeter shooter. And I think until he develops that, he can't really be fully relied upon. He can't be a fully consistent offensive player. But I was pleasantly surprised with his performance, uh, especially from a second round pick. And Mike, I know you love to make the joke, and I love this joke too, that um, they would always talk about the core four and, and Saban was just kind of included in that because it would be awkward if he wasn't. But by the end of the season, I think they genuinely valued him. And so if he works on that perimeter, shot uh if he works on his playmaking i think he can be i don't know i think he can be a good backup point guard but i know mike your ceiling is a little bit uh higher when when you're considering yes. saban and you think he could be a very effective yeah, mike doesn't like the issue with comp yeah it's just in a very simple in a very simple sense he's just a point guard who likes to drive in they're not they don't get their shots or attack the same way but they just drive in and kick it out and Saban is just he just has the added benefit of he can actually elevate and attack and he has some muscle on him. Ish Smith is set dead muscle on him, absolutely. He's he's not a weak player by any means. He oh, but he's, he's not he's not he's not postering anybody. He was, he's not postering anybody, but he was he was fairly well built. I hate the composition. He didn't need to, he had like those fantastic layups. Yeah. I know. I hate the I hate the comparison because because Ish Smith is not a is not a good player in the NBA anymore. I'm, I'm not entirely sure why he uh, got five million from uh, from the Hornets because 
Yeah, that was nice. He's he's just players like him are all but extinct. He cannot play off the ball. He just has a lot of limitations. And and I, I don't like Saban Lee to be comp to that. Sure, they're both quick. Uh, they're both fairly small, though. They're non-shooters. That's it. <laughs> well, they're non-shooters, but here's the thing: Saban's not going to stick in the NBA as a non-shooter. And as yep. much as Ish Smith can be referred to as a change-based point guard, he was that with the Pistons. Part of the reason why he was a change-based point guard is because the Pistons had to play around him. Cannot play off the ball. Had to play a heavily off-ball role, uh, and he, the half-court offense completely changed with him on the floor. It's uh, excuse me. Yet it's a. a I just thought I made a mistake, but I hadn't. Yeah, I said he cannot play an off-ball role. Yeah, that continues to be the case. And so, uh, you know, he's he's been in the league long enough that he's managed to stick. Yeah, Saban Lee doesn't learn to shoot threes. I mean, it's not a, it's, he's probably not an NBA player. Yep. So the fact that they're non-shooters, I mean, it's, you know, sure, you have that comparison, but it's more, it's less like, oh, well, he'll, he'll be a viable player anyway because Ish Smith is. Ish Smith is, is not a viable backup point guard anymore. So... Good veteran presence, great teammate, and you know he'll do in a pinch. But this is—I think it's hilarious that they played lineups that the, the Wizards did with Westbrook and Smith. It was completely bizarre to me. But yeah, so yeah. Here's, here's my thoughts on Saban. You saw him in summer league. Granted, it was summer league opposition. It did well in those final two games. Uh, he actually shot decently from three, for what it's worth. Though almost all of his makes were off of pull-ups. Uh, his his shooting motion, one one way in which. I will say he's similar to Ish Smith, though Ish was just bad three-point shooter role and rarely attempted him. Uh, See, I got something. They, right? uh, I mean, I would, yeah. So this this minor thing that this is this isn't true only of him. His uh, his shot seems to lend itself more to pull ups than to spot up threes, and that's kind of a problem. I mean, you're not going to have Saban Lee as your ball dominant, like uh, you know heliocentric, so to speak, ball handler on the floor. It's just not worthwhile. So the guy's got to be able to play off ball. I like him in that he is super athletic. He's fearless. He draws a lot of free throws. Like his free throw rate was super high last year, and, and just in uh, in terms of drawing shooting fouls. Um, so it uh, there's that 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 looked good in summer league as well. And you know he's got decent passing vision. He's not uh, and he's a decent passer. He's not a guy who's going to be making these. Who's really going to be like a bona fide floor general and is is really going to be making these crazy passes, but. He's just got to be able to play off the ball. In summer league, he was just this super, 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 super ball dominant guy, and that, that's not going to work out in the NBA. Uh, I think that I think highly of a ceiling, but I think a ceiling will be found playing as a secondary ball handler. Sure, yeah, that uh, I think that sums it up really well. It's a lot more cut and dry with Saban Lee. He just needs to. He, I mean, the big thing is he needs to learn how to shoot, and uh, he has the athleticism. The organization is very high on him. I hope he spends some time in the. Uh, in the G league and works on his shot. That's the biggest thing for him. But uh, yeah, no, it's, he's, it's a lot easier to talk about Saban Lee. The, the expect, the expectations aren't as lofty and it's, he's not as uh crucial to this rebuild as the other guys. So uh, yeah, Saban Lee, I agree with you, Mike. I think you summed it up really well. Just work on that shot, be a catch and shoot guy. And uh, if you can attack the closeouts, you're a valuable player. I think he's going to have to completely restructure his shot. It looks yeah, like probably. a it looks like a catapult. <laughs> this is, I was literally about to say it looks like a trebuchet. Yeah, something like it's crazy. Well, not a trebuchet. I don't know how you'd have a trebuchet shot. You would have to like move your elbow. You ever play civilization? Uh, you ever play civilization? Yeah, of course I have. Just... We're talking we're talking catapults though, not not trebuchets. I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 don't I think know. so. A... Catapult, uh, you know, really releasing from like a forty five degree angle. True. And, yeah. Uh, I don't think that's ever going to be a reliable shot for him. Like, uh, now I'm just picturing jersey. an actual catapult with a Saban Lee jersey on. Yeah, may as well be that. It has to be a really big jersey. Um, <laughs> that, would, that would be a big jersey. That would be a really big jersey. But yeah, I think uh, I would I, I would assume that barring barring injuries, he's going to spend the majority of the season in the G League. Uh, a because there's not really much of a space for him. Uh, but to just be because, well, he's kind of far down the list as far as as, as far as players are going to get priority and. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to see Killian Hayes in the G League, but uh, it, assuming he comes in looking as bad as he did in summer league, but I'd say Saban is just the just the just a candidate to to at least start the season there. Yeah, I think that covers it. Yeah, I think it does. <laughs> yeah, I think it does. I don't think there's a long drawn out uh, discussion pertaining to Cade and their fit with him. So uh, yeah, no. maybe we can call it. Well, I would yeah, say with with Saban, I mean, he'll be able to go down to the G League and be the guy. 
But, I mean, it just brings it up. Yeah, what if Killian Hayes comes in and does super struggles? I mean, do you send him down to the G League? If it's like if it's like 30 games in the season and he is still having a horrendous time in the NBA. I mean, we'll it, cross it, that bridge when we come to it. I suppose. I mean, there are ups and downs. You want him to be with the main team or with, with yeah. the NBA team and be able to work out with those guys. But, you know, who knows? Maybe you want to get him some reps in a, in a situation in which he have, might have more success. Uh, hard to say. Yeah, I, I agree. That is uh, a bridge that can be crossed uh, when we come to it. So, uh, all right. So, uh, yeah, that'll be it for this episode. Uh, we will be uh, discussing um, teams. Bigs. Bigs, yeah, ne- next time around. Though so we're actually yep. only returning two of those. So, uh, like I said, we'll be doing uh, a further series of episodes on new players who were not with the Pistons last season. And that'll include Kate Cunningham, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. It's Right now, these are called review previews. Is there for players who are on the roster last, uh, last season. So in any event, uh, thanks as always for listening. Catch you in the next episode.